0: we didn't make uh, the cut we're not in the whitney biennial which we'll talk about <laughs> shortly <laughs> but i think our work would look great in a uh very large scale new york city apartment totes i think it would look amazing over your couch yeah if you're rich contact us or better yet contact david <music> Well, we're back. We are back. It's been a while. It has been a long while. I feel like uh, it's been a few lifetimes <laughs> since we last recorded. I mean, True. so much happened, right? I know. It's crazy. I went to New York and came back, and I was there for two weeks, and we didn't record. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, Not our ventured, fault. I ventured into the doorstep of a, uh extreme COVID, and returned recovered <laughs> sorry um, you're still uh you still never got it well no i think i had it in fall 2020 but i never had a test to confirm it yeah <clears throat> but i've never been like sick with covid because i only think i had it because i lost my sense of smell and taste but otherwise i was 100% fine mm-hmm. well lucky you happy Thanks. for you are you back uh, safe? I am. Yeah. Back in the world's biggest ashtray, Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> the east side of uh, Berlin, Alex- uh, Alexanderplatz. Sorry. <laughs> How's the mood in Berlin? Grumpy and hostile as ever. Um. <laughs> Can't wait to move to New York. Mm hmm. Um,. It's like pretty similar weather to when I was in New York, but I don't know. It just seems worse here. <laughs> yeah, the weather always registers somehow worse in Berlin. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, I just want to apologize to our listeners. COVID has left me with a uh, with a very phlegmy throat, so you might hear me <laughs> pulling an Amy. Uh, Amy Goodman. Well, I've been phlegmy uh, for two weeks as well, as you might remember from my staying with you in New York. I remember. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Getting text messages in the morning from a mirror being like, are you okay? <laughs> I mean, if I could hear it from across the house. I know. I'm sorry. It's fine. But did you know what? Seat neighbor, did sorry. your seat neighbor complain on a flight? Mm, actually, I wasn't coughing that much on the plane. I had some oh, coughs good. here and there. Oh, but there was this like really annoying, hostile person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was sitting on the left side. aisle seat next to these two guys. They were maybe a couple. I'm not sure they were German. Um, and I said to them like, Oh, I'll try to move after we take off because the flight attendants were being very strict about like no moving around until after the seatbelt sign is off. Yeah. Um, even before we left. And so then when like the seatbelt check was happening, uh, the flight attendant, she's like, Oh, are you three traveling together? And I was like, no, I'm not. She, and then she was like gesturing that she would move me across the aisle to the center section. And this guy who tried to like commandeer three seats to himself, uh, was like so bitchy, like almost wouldn't let me sit like after the Mm -hmm. seatbelt sign came off. And I just like forced myself into that seat right next to him like he's sitting in the middle seat he wouldn't move yeah and i just like smoked him out basically i was just like yeah i'm not leaving (laughs) like if you want to sit next to me for the next seven hours you can sit right next to me Mm -hmm. and eventually he moved after dinner service it worked what did they serve uh i had a really actually this was kind of one of the worst airplane meals i had I enjoy, really? That's, yeah. that's an impossibility. I love. Uh, I airplane love airplane food. food too. But it was like I got the chicken dish. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were mashed potatoes. I like the mashed potatoes. The chicken was just one of these like. What's that thing they would always serve you when you worked um, at Maikita? Uh, chicken. They would always serve chili con carne. No, no. What's the other one? Where yeah. it's like vegetables. What's that dish called? Ratatouille. Again? Yeah, it was like ratatouille-esque. But ratatouille, oh, yeah, because ratatouille is vegetarian. Yeah, so it was like a ratatouille with chicken in it. Where it was just like this like mush of vegetables, you know, and it's like yeah. kind of tomato-y looking. And it was just not good. I should have gotten the pasta. So, mm-hmm. Learned <laughs> my lesson. You should have been bumped to business for your <laughs> act of, uh, of selfless generosity. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, so what else do we have to catch up our listeners on? Uh, well, what were we doing in New York? Uh, we just opened a a two-person show, a two-man show, (laughs) (laughs) a two-cis male show at, uh, notable downtown Dime Square adjacent gallery. Actually, our gallery claims to have a, um preceded um dime square to have been there long before true the trend has, yeah um fearman gallery who was gonna come on the pod today but is actually uh en route now to uh where i don't know somewhere family vacation must be nice <laughs> must be nice um <laughs> so we opened a two-person show last friday what is the show called? Janet? It's called Good Friends in celebration also, of our friendship. Hmm. Um, that should also be the title of today's episode. Yeah, I suggest good idea. Um, and yeah, I mean, go see it. I think it's one of the more fun shows up at the moment on the uh, frumpy lower east side. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, uh, we might be biased, but. I think it's a kick-ass show. Um, critics are raving. Just waiting for that Roberta Smith review. Um, I I am not holding net. my breath for that um, <laughs> because we do not engage in um, pay-to-play. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, Allegedly. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just talking. Uh, I was just talking with a, a new acquaintance yesterday, an artist. Um, we were actually talking about how all these reviewers effectively have become like um i don't know like publishers of SponCon, essentially <laughs> I don't know nothing ever, nothing really feels anymore like an honest review or an expression of opinion. It's just like a, <laughs> a influencer type shout out, whatever. Um, but that said, your last show at Fearman, you did get a new York t- oh, sorry uh, art form critics pick. I did, yeah. And that That was was completely out of the blue. Yeah, those, I think, are always out of the blue, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Except for it's, like, a really big uh, show at a blue chip gallery where you ask yourself, like, really? uh, I just, I think I remember, like, a Dana Schutz critic's pick, and you're like, okay, (laughs) really? I mean, yeah. Uh, Well, the opening was super fun. So many friends came out. Yeah, a lot of good friends. Yeah. Yeah. And like m- two of my friends from Winnipeg, which that's amazing. One of which who mm-hmm. does not live in mm-hmm. New York. Friend of the pod Charday, and friend of the pod David were there. Also, thanks for doing all the heavy lifting and the uh, the leg work because I had to be at work <laughs> five oh, days no a worries. week that week um it was insane getting the show together the last two days but it all worked out yeah <laughs> and don't also feel sorry about that it. my sorry for that my paintings are so heavy but <laughs> okay. uh, uh then the breaks um just keep working on that thinner panel because that one was totally fine we were like oh my god this one's so easy to yeah. carry <laughs> well i have i have switched uh fully to those uh thinner panels oh, the first ones like go back to early covid And they were a bitch to transport from my old studio to the new studio, but uh, you know, I just I love a challenge in all aspects of my (laughs) life, and so like a heavyweight challenge is also something I'm into. Um, I also just love the fact that they have a an an added sculptural quality to them, (laughs) aka heavyweight. Well, the Um, works are very beautiful in the show. Thank you. Yours are too, and we've I've already gotten like multiple. Reviews and people giving feedback saying that they really play off well off each other. I think, yeah, I think they suit each other really well. It's like a really nice contrast. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, we didn't make uh, the cut. We're not in the Whitney Biennial, which we'll talk about <laughs> shortly. But I think our work would look great in a uh, very large scale New York City apartment. Totes. I think it would look amazing over your couch. Yeah, if you're rich, contact us or better yet contact David. Um yeah. if you're men. Yeah. And w- Yeah, also wire that transfer. <laughs> yeah. Uh or as Anna Delvey says, how does she say it? I wire out the money. <laughs> I buy <riot> the funds. <laughs> what are you talking about? God, literally so the annoying. worst the worst impression. Also the worst German accent in media. Yeah, no, I'm referring to the TV shit the biopic. Yeah, yeah. But like just the accent was terrible in that thing. Yeah. But I mean I've I've like met so many people like that <laughs> in my seven years in Berlin. There's so many like avenues alumni type, like <laughs> Doctor Evil <laughs> <laughs> Man of Mystery, like international accents. Uh, I thought he was Swiss. <laughs> yeah especially the fucking uh sorry I'm going to name names <clears throat> that uh TikToker the chad guy oh god which I had to uh I had to hide from my feed because I've just never encountered a more like <laughs> gnarly perfect storm of like rich oh, kid disgusting accent like uh, b- lifestyle that's of like traveling the world doing nothing anyways whatever you do don't look up the Stadt guy G-S-T-A-A-T <laughs> where where's even Stadt or oh, G-Stad, G-Stad. whatever you call it. um it's like this um destination in the mountains there's always like some there's some <sighs> what mountains the like Urals, the Swiss Alps I guess um, um but there's some art event there every year that like shady wealth criminals go to including people we yeah know, I'm sure um <laughs> Uh, let's see what else <laughs> happened when i was over there um, oh wait so let's just add that the show our show is open through uh may 1st uh Shemek has gone back to berlin but i'm in town i'm actually going out of town uh for a week over the uh winter sorry the spring break but i'll be back and if you want to see the show hit me up and there's also additional work of ours in at fearman east which is the grand street uh extension of a firman gallery yeah the annex is, um, the annex <laughs> available by appointment only but there's some amazing furniture pieces by pshamek and more paintings by moi thanks and thanks for the go check it out i mean it's a really nice show like i'm i'm really being honest with myself and with you guys because like you know we're very critical of things yeah we're catty And, yeah, and we're not, like, uh, what does the industry call it? Like, a kill your baby type of, like, we're that kind of person. Like, when we see our work, we can tell if it is bad or not. Yeah, I can send you a list of my 10 worst works ever, if you want. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) We should, you know, we should just make a show of our, like, uh, (laughs) we should do, like, a best of and a worst of. Oh, that's a good idea. There's actually a really really good, like, uh, Johnny Mitchell... Uh, compilation, like, double double set compilation that's, like, hits and misses. So we should do oh something similar. Um, yeah, and David threw, a like, a fun cocktail shindig in our honor for it was the opening. Super at sweet. Feu- I love Feu- the artichoke dip. And the, the goop homemade cookies, mm, the goop recipe. Oh, my God. That was yummy. Uh, I did not uh, mass infect guests at the party this time around with covid so (laughs) no harm no foul um Um, yeah anyways check it out it's a really nice show chunk you want to maybe say like you want to give us a quick elevator pitch just so our listeners who are blind or do not are not familiar with our practices know what it is they're asked to go see well i as you know here hold on let me stop you uh (laughs) I'll talk about your work and you will talk about my work. <laughs> Cause I had to I had to explain it over the past two weeks to several people. Not that it's like I had to explain. I was it, just gonna like, give a one-liner to sum it all up. What would what would that be? I was gonna as I've said before, uh, saturated hues for spring. Yeah, but like you're also selling yourself short here. I mean there's No, I'm not. I mean there's a lot in our work going on, but I think the exuberance of color is something that ties the work together sure, really but well. i mean your your work is not purely formal i mean there's no, no, you no. know there's a th- th- theory or not theory but a uh a narrative motivation
1: i think Anyways, people should just sh- go
0: see it and uh okay so you yeah. don't want to spoil you know what that's fine because <laughs> no, no us, spoilers sure no spoilers but also us taking the more humble route and not uh not attaching ourselves to too much uh, a pretense, I think, will be a good segue to... T- oh, Jesus. Leo. Can those fucking motorists just get fined and sent to prison? Also, people, like, I was sitting on the train the other day back from work, like, rush hour. And there was, like, a stereo of people blasting music from their phones. There was, like, this one guy on the ride was just, like, playing a five-second, like, jazz riff on a on a, like, endless loop. And on the other side, somebody was blasting some, like cheap bachata or whatever so the whole way home was this like cacophony c- 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 from both sides and the 60 um, year old mother God. and grandmother that i saw blasting tiktok it's just like shut Jesus. the fuck up like get الف. some five dollar really headphones think- they should like really like ship you off to Corsica <laughs> or something or to australia if you board a train during rush hour with a city oh bike God. or any bike wait a city bike Yeah, I don't understand why people do that. I've never, I've never used a city bike, but I think there's a reason why people like transport them. They're like, I don't want to pay for a second rental. My God, I guess people are so uncouth there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's New York City. You think people would just be a touch more? um, I mean, consider it as a big ask, but just like a little more aware of the circumstances and the and the conditions. People are. Pretty considerate there, but then for the most things happen like that where you're just like, "Who raised you? (laughs) Like, you mess." Yeah, yeah. yeah. um At least when I when I leave home for work in the morning at like six thirty, there's like no the the streets don't smell like weed, (laughs) subway stations don't like smell like weed. I think the like morning weed types only leave the house at around seven thirty, so I managed to like evade that. Um, If you're smoking weed that early, uh, please go to NA. um, And if you need any directions, please slide in our DMs and we'll help you out. Um, How are are we going to help them out? Well, I'll Google uh, (laughs) Narcotics Anonymous and send them the link. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think it's going to take years before anybody starts considering that a, uh, a pathology that needs, you know, therapy or... 'Cause it's just been legalized. It's having a big like normalization moment. And it's so like drinking in consider- the morning. There's an issue if it's seven thirty and you're drinking in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> like um, Berliners <laughs> drinking beer on the subway. <laughs> Jesus. Um <sighs> Yeah, anyway, go see our show. Also, Jordan opened a beautiful show at James Collins's. It's amazing. Congratulations, Jordan. Go check it out. I was sporting a really fun looking Adish shirt from a new, like, special edition or whatever to the uh, luncheon. Um, it hit my gut, which you is look nice. great. Um, thanks. I would love an Adish look when they do big boy sizes. Um, uh, <laughs> hint, hint, Jordan. Um, I feel like that's my next I, look since I'm wearing light denim now. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm a new person. You totally totally brought like North American, like millennial pink, like level aesthetics (laughs) to the (laughs) darkness of Berlin. I feel like all the like the leather jackets, like Wesley Snipes blade type, (laughs) like Humana frumps are going to be like, who is this prophet of a uh, of fashion of lightness of lightness? Yeah. Um, well my brother yeah. said I look great yesterday when I went over and he said that um, I look scary and I would he would cross the street if he saw me on the street and that was my light denim. really Yep. huh oh well we should also shout out uh, David for very generously taking us out us three gals on oh, a night my out God. yes B a- way <laughs> the great white way the great white way uh, yeah, he took us to see Plaza Suite, which was really fun. Yeah, that was so much fun. Your first Broadway experience, my very first Broadway experience. I was actually listening to like David uh, Mamet talk on uh, I guess the Bill Marshall this morning, mm-hmm. and they like uh yeah, daddy David down. Mamet. What's that? It's a daddy David Mamet. <laughs> it's insane. Is he like? gagosian's like younger brother or something (laughs) they're both from like a similar like eastern european like jewish stock yeah um Gagosian, you said what's that wait did you say david wait wait who do you mean larry oh larry yeah gagosian and david mamet just they they look siblingy really Uh, anyways the yeah, yeah, look them up. I mean, Mamet is, like, 74 now or whatever, but they both have that, like... They just look like a, a, like a professional boxer. Well, yeah, like I mean... David Mamet more so than Gagosian, but... Gagosian has that Armenian thing happening. Yeah, I mean, they could have, like, both of them could look like those... What do you call those cauliflower ears? Oh, like wrestlers get, yeah. Ha Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They both could, like, totally sport that look because they look thuggish. Yeah. Um, anyways, they were, like, punching down a Neil Simon like david mamet whatever i don't think i've seen anything by david mamet ever except for his daughter <laughs> you didn't see madonna and speed the plow uh in the 1980s no am <laughs> kidding i literally like not to like whatever but i don't think i know anything by him i've like but that's just a uh that's very telling of my ignorance whatever <clears throat> well, now we're going to be a Broadway queen. Um, so when I'm living there, we can go see Funny Girl with... Funny Girl featuring Edie Finkelstein. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Deborah Messing in Birthday Candles where she bakes a cake for 90 minutes. Debra Messy <laughs> where, twi- where she tweets a video of her shouting into the void <laughs> after Trump gets elected a second time around. Um yeah oh we should also shout out jimmy Wright, who invited us very generously over for uh to a really nice dinner in a studio oh visit that was so fun he's so sweet on on freeman alley um downtown that was beautiful it was really nice to see his very extensive collection of soft pastels he's also yeah. the chair of the soft pastel society if i'm not misstating it i believe that's um, correct and, and yes, also Google a, him Jimmy Wright, W R I G H T, a really great yeah. artist that David works with, uh, and a really sweet guy, also, whose work is also at the Whitney Museum. And that's the very last good thing they did, which will now <laughs> se- segue <laughs> us into. <laughs> segue us into "Quiet as It's Kept," the recent recent iteration of the Whitney Biennial. Pshamik. Well, the day I left New York City on Wednesday, uh, David invited me to go see the Whitney Biennial—the first public day. Which, if we weren't going to podcast about it, I was going to skip. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, because I'm just like I don't care anymore. Because uh, also, when I when I went there yesterday, I was just shocked at how full the house was. I'm like, oh. who are these people? What, uh, what is the what is the draw and the appeal of the whitney museum biannual yeah there's a lot of kind of like average joe uh visitors which i mean that's all museums want so they can make money but um i little was shocked do that, they know yeah <laughs> little did they know that uh everyone's mean tweeting after um i was well, shocked like that, that there were be like children with their parents i'm like why aren't you in school yeah yeah exactly um so okay so we went um the we walked by that restaurant untitled at first as seen on and just like that um episode one uh <laughs> oh by the way i was uh i was in a cab going downtown the other day, and somewhere in midtown there's like a a whole building where the whole ground lo- ground floor is like one one window panel her character from it just like that it was like too quick i was gonna snap some pictures for you but it was like yeah well i hope we can catch season two being shot um the summer um honestly i've had my fill like i don't think after seeing sarah jessica parker in person on plaza suite like i i think i'm done i don't want to ruin my impression of her true um by the way sarah jessica parker and matthew broderick have covid now we could have been exposed to their strain uh, not in the no, not in the nosebleed <laughs> section. We're... It was a it was a tight theater. It could have drifted that high. You think? I think so. You never know. Okay. I don't know the aerosol patterns in that building. <laughs> I don't know the airflow <laughs> circulation. Um Listen, we we were wearing masks. <laughs> sort of. Well, I kept pulling mine down because I couldn't breathe. But yeah. Anyway, so Dave and I got to the Whitney. Um they were being really aggressive with us in line, like Do you know, take hands, you know, like the people outside and then inside. And then he's like, Oh, well, someone left us some uh at the desk. And then it's like who emailed Just like everyone's so cranky. Yeah. Um so that was just like a really great start to <laughs> an even I worse. I think it's just it's it's like a nightclub type mentality. Yeah. It's like a bouncer mentality. Yeah. Um, okay. So then we got in. We went to coat check. Uh, again, someone was like rude and aggressive at coat check um, because David's nose wasn't completely covered mm-hmm. by the mask. And this like queen with a dangling earring got snippy at him. And was just like, bitch, just fucking give it a rest already. What uh, is that artwork in a shaft when you <laughs> take the stairs down to the the check you you notice it yeah. right because i can't i can't find information about it. i on saw website. the information at some point it's a male artist i forget but it kind of looks like a linda bengalas um i thought it's Bengalis, whatever <laughs> linda ben. i mean yeah sorry i put the wrong emphasis on the syllable um i mean i i love her work i i'm not sure the comparison is fair no, it just, I just, I felt like the colors and that kind of like material, you know, it was like kind of like drippy, foamy latex, I mean, but, but she has such a way with like textural surfaces and the showing the, like the piece in the shaft is just like a fucking tube with some acrylic, like, anyway, I'm just saying the like materiality yeah. reminded me of her. Okay. Um, then we made our way up to, I guess it was is it the sixth floor, the dark floor? That's what we uh, did first. Right. I actually started on a fifth floor first. Oh, okay. uh, what the white floor? So yeah. I only realized that after the fact that it's like a black and white dichotomy, which is a touch <laughs> on the nose, but oh, it was what very is, on the nose. What is not yeah. these days? <laughs> well, so we started in the dark floor, and then we the elevator opens, and we're like, oh, nice Adam uh, Pendleton painting. <laughs>
1: Boy, were we
0: wrong! (laughs) You know what was missing in that Adam Pendleton gallery? Fucking UV lights! Oh my god! It needed to be like a what's that? What's that Czech like uh, Prague theater, like the the dark theater? Do you know the one? It's like UV, like a Bellamy theater. (laughs) Oh my god! Wait, you don't know it? I mean, you've been to Prague. Anyway, those paintings that that like greet you to the dark floor are just like whatever uh the like you know kind of black and white grids tick marks don't remember the artist's name right I mean at first uh at first sight I thought it was Avery Singer is that the yeah they kind of look like an Avery Singer and I actually made that joke to David I was like oh David I love these Avery Singers (laughs) so we're on the same wavelength (laughs) oh it's uh Denise Tomasos okay She's a uh, oh R.I.P. Sorry, sorry. Born 1964 in Port of Spain, Trinidad and Tobago. Died in 2012. They oh. are they are nice to look at. I I just enter any space, any exhibition space at the Whitney with such a huge like amount of skepticism because I know the wall text will like torture it out of a context and will not allow me to enjoy it on a formal level yeah i mean some of the texts were so heavy-handed and obnoxious it was just like i mean i made a conscious decision to just not read the wall text because if it was not sort of comprehended to me upon first glance i not that i lost interest but like what is the point of visual art if not to attract your eye to the visual aspect of it like yeah you know It's Uh, not like I'm sitting in a movie theater and I'm captive audience for an hour and a half or two hours. Like, I think artists kind of fail to understand their role as creators of visual sort of a um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Visual delicacies. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, Um, sorry, you were saying. Oh no, nothing. So then we continued onwards. Uh, It was very video heavy. Oh Jesus! So, like long lines too. Where I, like, <sighs> I know well, I was there yesterday on a Friday, and I just had like. First of all, I was hungry, so anything that I'm about to say about the biennial take uh, take in consideration <laughs> that I was hangry, and so that influences my feedback. Yeah. Go well, ahead. Well, okay. So a note I made was that uh, that floor just very much felt like the Disneyfication of art. The long so? lines everywhere, for one, where it's yeah. like you cannot enjoy something unless you wait in a queue. And it's clearly not going to get any better. And, you know, what day of the week were you there? A Friday? Friday, yeah, like the busiest day. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's even busier today and tomorrow. And, like, and, yeah. you know, granted, we were there on opening day, but, like, we were there at like 10 30 in the morning on a weekday, and Was everything the- had a line. Was that the preview or the? No, that was like the first public day where just like anyone could go. <laughs> right, um, and then also because I think there's still kind of these like COVID limits <coughs> where they're like limiting, and you know you have to have a booking for a time or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I think it's just kind of going to be at capacity or whatever all the time. Um. I think that's at this point it's just a formality because they uh, remove the caps on how many people could be in the museum at any point. I think you just have to. Or maybe you are right. Whatever. But anyway, so then we, um, go into the Alfredo jar wind tunnel, which, where was that? um, I, was that my hangriness that got me to miss all these parts that I was talking to my friend yesterday and he also mentioned a couple of artworks. I'm like, were we in the same museum? (laughs) Well, okay. It was a black and white video piece. Um, who's the artist? Alfredo jar. Oh, sorry. Uh, He's uh born in the sixties. He's a Chilean artist, a MacArthur genius recipient. Um and this a Marion a Marian Pischek Genius Award. <laughs> Grant Gr- me. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, L. Guberstein Genius Award generously bestowed onto me at the age of five. Um well this piece was anything but genius. Actually, David and I were like, this is like offensive actually (laughs) tell us more about it so there's footage i don't know if he shot it or if it's found footage but uh of black lives matters protests um or a specific protest um uh chopper is like hovering over people you know because like the national guard or whatever is being called in um and there's all these like beyonce wind machines on the ceiling like literally those kind of big industrial fans, like the ones that you see like in front of a concert stage um, at a Beyonce tour. And it's synced with a video. You have to wear earplugs that security gives you and disposable ones. Yeah. Disposable kind of inner ear ones. And the helicopter's landing like on top of you in the footage, and the wind machines get like harder and harder blowing. And it's just like, give me a break. My. I don't know. It's like out of this whole thing, <clears throat> this like summer of racial reckoning, this is what you get out of it. Like an IMAX experience? Yes, yeah, like a Marvel MCU 40 movie. <laughs> like what were those movie exp- movie theater experiences where like you'd get uh splashed with water and yeah. they would pump air to like simulate this whatever's happening in the scene and um, it was just so stupid and cheesy and just like i don't know it just like did not address any feeling or anything about that moment yeah um i mean dumb. listen this that that's what happens when when art becomes utterly lazy. You just you you know you check all the boxes, you add a uh, you add a shtick to it. Yeah. there you go. It's museum ready. Yeah, um, also, I got I got. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say. Also, as someone who had a helicopter like land in front of them a month and a half ago because of that head-on collision I witnessed. I'm yeah. like, it wasn't that traumatizing or, like, violent to have, like, a helicopter right. land right in front of you. Like, yeah. you're not getting blown away like a jet engine. So, just, like, spare me with this dumb video. Yeah. Uh, one work that I highly enjoyed in that floor was Wang Shui. Oh, um, were those the... Aluminum or steel? Yeah, so it's like it. I guess it's like a nook of an exhibition space. It's it's like adjacent to one of the video rooms. I guess there's like a thing on the ceiling that's like post-human, like very post-net art, like this magazine type thing. Yeah, which I completely disregarded. I completely disregarded because it's totally not my thing. And also the the wall text talks uh, talks about like. Animals, environments, humans, machines, uh, AI, blah, blah, blah. Like, I truly cannot be less interested in in this. But there's two, I guess for the lack of a better word, there's two, like, paintings, Mm large-scale paintings adorning the walls. And I can't tell if it's on metal or if it's on whatnot, but they look extremely metallic. And you said it didn't, like, tickle your fancy, but there's some, like brush work or like chisel work on that metal that just like really stunned me and it seemed and felt very random but then it just made me realize this is a museum and what i'm drawn to is a creative approach to uh mark making gestures treatment mm-hmm. of surface a creation of a new v- enticing visual composition mm-hmm. and not just a regurgitation of like political topics like yeah palettes whatever which it kind of dominates the whole show which is extremely lazy in my opinion but anyways i was drawn to this work you no I, I think they really were really beautiful. pretty i really liked that effect um kind of the yeah, of very of interesting the, effect the paint or is it yeah. paint or pastel or yeah, something I'm actually, I, yeah i just looked it up it's oil and aluminum panel and it's yeah. like four panels um mounted that together. honeycomb panel yeah and it's just beautiful i'm looking up the picture like to To create something like that that is a visually refreshing is I'm giving I'm giving you four out of five stars. We should start we should start assigning stars to each of the (laughs) words we're talking about. A rating system. Um, Uh, Wait, let me see. I'm I'm combing through the uh, what I think was on the fourth floor. Wait, can Can I just finish up of the sixth floor? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, that's what I meant. Sorry, the dark floor. Okay, there's something that bothered me on that floor. It was the Jonathan Berger piece, which was all that text. I didn't even... Oh, yes, yes, uh, yes. And yes. it was like, a font was created, and we're like, the font is like Ariel. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wait, you want to tell us more about the work? <sighs> it's all this text. You basically have to read all this text. Like, names are in it, etc.,
1: here, I couldn't let me go tell in because
0: once again, there's a really long queue to get in and only right. three people are allowed in the installation at a time. Yeah. And it's just very fragile. It looks like when you buy, um, you know, there's like those like plastic pieces. Like if you're putting together a model that have to pop yeah. out of the frame, that's kind of what it looked like. Yeah. And it's just like, is this the way that text needs to be presented? Um, three visitors at time reading, i'm reading the wall text and there's just so much name dropping in it yeah. it just makes you realize like when 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 artists sort of lose their connection to like something greater yeah. than the this earthly life all they have left in their satchel is just name dropping and
1: yeah like all the uh, queers
0: at fire island that were in that new york times piece <laughs> right yeah um yeah jonathan berger's an introduction to nameless love a yeah, nameless love explores profoundly transformative experiences of non-romantic love do you feel like that represents your experience of uh, no viewing the piece okay it's so it's like just write an essay <clears throat> which is my it, it is it, it is literally an essay because that's my thing usually in these situations like just write an essay instead of like making this dense thing yeah um this literally is like just print out the text so we can take it with us and read it later because the visual presentation does not actually convey anything further and it just makes it annoying for people and actually people with like visual disabilities probably cannot read that piece at all so yeah um it's just so amazingly wild how the like the influence and the legacy of like yoko ono and john giorno has like just infiltrated like art making to such an extreme even in 2022 where you see these like um um god i'm blanking that one uh it's just sort of uh heavy on the text very essay essay essay-esque like experimental very conceptual uh almost like um just like very very uh you know unfriendly to the user uh, it's just amazing that in 2022 there's so much It still sort of is a such a prominent medium. Yeah. Um. Oh well. Yeah. Um. I guess there were a couple of other videos on the top floor. Were there paintings in the top floor at the end, like by the windows? I'm uh, trying to uh, sift. Trying I mean, to sift through. There was. I can remember the quote-unquote Avery Singer paintings. And then the yeah, Adam in and the Pendleton interest, yeah. paintings that uh, uh, look right. like retail display—they um, are retail display. He's like so incredibly corny. He's like a a notch like a notch farther from like a um, uh, Virgil, but RIP. Like in terms of sensibilities, but like the text is like these paintings take months to make, and it's like uh, who cares? Who cares? Like they don't need to <laughs> like yeah it's like a repetition of uh you know layers yeah so w- it's just it's so incredible it just it's dawning on me that like artists so much about like making excuses these days it's like yeah. look this took forever to make okay whatever it's yeah. not evident in it look the artist like toiled yeah. over a font he invented and wrote it on fucking like panels it took him two months but who cares like at what point do the artists like stop and ask himself okay what is my passion how does it get translated into the final object and how do I not necessarily just foist it on the viewer yeah. without any like sort of exchange or gratification yeah um um should we go down to the uh fifth floor yeah so ding time to enter that freight elevator in the uh arch um arch arch swagger <laughs> yes elevator <laughs> <laughs> swagger like us um we had a very lovely a uh elevator operator who explained to us all about the uh the installation oh we had to do it ourselves <laughs> yeah yeah w- there's no uh, operator all oh, right i was in the like the main uh, uh you know what we took the stairs down <clears throat> oh look at you mm-hmm. we wanted to get those steps in uh-huh well so you saw you saw the decals in the stairwell with one of them saying uh, where is it? So I, I they put decals in the stairwell. One of them says, What did the emancipation proclamation do? Question mark. Like, okay. Um, something about there was another one something about presidents. Yeah. Um okay, so anyway, the fifth floor. The light floor. The light floor which what was the what was the official dichotomy? how was it explained um I' don't, the white flight floor um <laughs> uh, it was it was not immediately evident well, let's in see. terms of the works installed in the two floors, it wasn't clear what belonged where and why um, yeah, you know what some things could have just been switched <laughs> between floors. Yeah. Also, I just have to say it really just felt like being at an art fair. Both floors. You know, people kept saying that, but I didn't really feel that to be honest. It like if anything the 5th floor being so like open space felt mm-hmm. so cluttered cuz like you can see from one end to the other aside from these like funny S-shaped yeah. like walls they uh installed. But I mean They're more like, like a, s- you know, like independent or one of these art fairs. that's like, we're trying to be oh, different. We're like a platform. Yeah. It um, just, I don't know. It did not feel effective in yeah. terms of uh, exhibition space layout. It was hard to focus. Um, it was hard to traverse, hard to way find. Yeah. I don't know. I'll say it again. Just fucking like take a, let's like go on a hiatus let's uh let's put a moratorium on the Whitney Biennial deconstruct okay. the whole thing bringing some like fresh eyes to this uh aggressively sever ties with any like lobbying by big galleries or whatever cuz the totally like, big just... blue chip needs to be like blocked from the next one yeah actually in the specific case of this iteration of the biennial i think the blue chip contributed the better artworks to this uh to this exhibition um such as harold Oncard, my favorite painter i know you love him but i just thought that work was terrible <laughs> i thought it was beautiful and okay i wanted to i was going to make this statement at the uh or share this idea at the very end but i'll say it now my idea for a better biennial would be just to drop the pretense and do like effectively an art basel type presentation where you have the biggest like market players show their work because like who would not want to go to the Whitney Biennial to see a beautiful like wall sized evocative provocative Barbara Kruger next to a Harold card next to um um I don't know Cindy Sherman or whatever. All new work or whatever. Um and then like interspersed with work by emerging artists. But just like drop the pretense like make it clear to us that this is a you know a field dominated by market forces yeah and don't try to like throw these smoke bombs at us such as like you know work by sable uh elise smith who you know got her claim to fame with like works touching on elements from the carceral state Uh, So I think her first show at JTT, you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, the Ferris wheel thing. Right, so her first show at JTT, maybe wasn't her first show, but the show that got most press and exposure was uh, these huge printouts that she filled in or painted of like uh, coloring pages or coloring books that children or of like relatives or parents who are incarcerated Mm -hmm. are given when they come to visit them. And so that kind of you know kick her career that's all about elements derived from like carceral state imagery mm-hmm. and i guess because it's a biennial and you're asked to participate in it your immediate reaction or instinct is to be like okay how big can i go you yeah. because effectively these biennials for upcoming or emerging artists is like a, an interview it's like a shark tank type of uh you know presentation to sell your idea to like the big uh the top brass. And so what yeah. she did was she created a how would you even explain it? She like used Can you explain the work? Um uh, there's this Ferris wheel made that moves, but obviously no one can go on it and, and slowly, yeah. Yeah, it rotates and it's made of tables the kind that you would find in a prisoner like visiting area. Yeah. Um, so they're arranged in a circle, the whole thing rotates. It's just really it's I'm not a fan. It's a le, it's a leviath, Leviathan sorry. It's like it's just such a <laughs> mammoth of an installation. And I think just artists are confused when they understand the assignment as I mean, I think they think it's a grand minimalist gesture to take a a single item and to like you know um explode it or rearrange it i think they're like i think they want to present sort of a shock and awe to the viewer and as such like get the message across but there i think there's a confusion that underlies this approach because you don't have to like you don't have to like you know nuke a cockroach To kill it like there's there's more subtle ways to like get the message across not just like blow up things because all of a sudden you have a budget yeah i mean i really love these coloring book pieces i'm looking at them now which uh remember i made my coloring book piece guess i can't make those anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) listen i'm also into it i'm a little skeptical of just like um you know the proliferation of just a single shtick basically because yeah. it is a shtick i mean it could be like a, a it's a legitimate shtick but it's a shtick you yeah. know just to keep uh to keep harvesting like imagery sorry for this from this like specific niche yeah i mean the sculpture works from that show like at JTT and elsewhere where it's just the more simple forms yeah. You know, like uh like Jack's, like, you know, the game where you throw those star things. Right. Like I think that's much more effective. Um, because then it also kind of has this more kind of clear connection to art history as well, and like minimal sculpture. Um, I just find the the Ferris wheel so heavy handed and just wasteful it in a way. And also even the coloring pages, it's so like I mean, it's so on the nose. Yeah. Like we get it, carceral state, hashtag, we get it. Like, the contradiction is, like, glaring, and it's like, we live in a, you know, in terrible times, there's there's no subtlety to, like, I have not seen a single work that chose to, you know, engage with subtlety in this entire exhibition. Oh, Rebecca Belmore, I love. I think the bullets were heavy-handed, but it was on the dark floor, like the... Yeah. You know, this figure it was that's like in the, a, Yeah. It was next to the Cy Gavin painting. Yeah, like this figure that's like in a shrouded on a blanket. Yeah. And she's an amazing artist, uh, First Nations artist from Canada. Um yeah. representing Canada at the Venice Biennale years ago. Really great work. And I just wish there was like kind of more opportunity for her at the Whitney Biennial. Right. Um than just like this one sculpture. Yeah. Because she works a lot in video and and sculpture. Right. I also enjoyed uh, Ellen Gallagher's work. Oh, loved. I loved those paintings. I was just, you know, I like, sure, I feel jaded at this point by having been exposed to too much and have been exposed to how the sausage gets made in this business. But, like, every so often I just see something that I'm immediately drawn to. And Ellen Gallagher's work, it's, like, large-scale works that are on... Wood, or it's like carved like uh, elements, yeah. How would you explain it? It's just, yeah, like I took a, photos of those because they were really beautiful. It's beautiful colors, beautiful compositions, beautiful imagery, a, a texture that I'm drawn yeah. to. I want to touch it. Um, they look like tapestries, but they're actually made of wood and. Yeah. I almost don't wanna know don't wanna read the wall text because it yeah. suffices to just enjoy it on a formal level. Well exactly I mean, because the, because the wall text were so annoying. They're like and then these strands signify blah blah blah. And it's just like, yeah, ugh, just stop. Um but yeah. And then uh this <clears throat> and then this work at the uh at the end of the floor, at the edge of the floor by Emily Barker, the kitchen Oh, yes. Insulation? Uh, Yeah, the artist is in a wheelchair and it kind of changed the height of what kind of we would experience as people not in wheelchairs. But like, then again, it just made me immediately think of Doho's work. I know, exactly. Which is way more like, you know, romantic and like sweet. I know. And it's all about the longing and the memory of... You know, Home Lost, and Emily Barker's work is like a sob story. Basically, I mean, it's like sure, I am not trying to like minimize. You know, her life as a disabled person, but like, like, can we just like fucking focus on positive things or be a, a touch more either peppy or just cheerleaders or uplifters, like? It's just like in the exact same category as the deaf artist who did those um those charts and drawings for the last biennial do you remember her she even yep. did sorry if I'm like I don't mean to badmouth her cuz I think we have some mutual friends but she also she also signed the national anthem i guess at the mm-hmm. like two super bowls ago or like three or whatever yep she's like she's a well known deaf artist anyways but it's like in the same category of like disability like Okay, like why why you have to be like categorized and like put into that like pigeonholed like position, whatever. Um, I did enjoy that though on a formal level; it was very well executed, yeah. so I enjoyed looking at it. At it, but just so you know, it looks identical to like Doho Saz work.
1: <laughs> yeah, those and ones are like, made
0: of what are they silk or organza or something? Yeah, but like, but come a very on, similar I mean, effect. It, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I saw who was that is it adam gordon there was a painting right next to the kitchen installation that just looked like a gerhard richter like literally do you know what i'm talking about yes yeah it was like black and white and it looks like those kind of atmospheric hazy like smudged. yeah yeah and i was like what are we relying on people's like on zoomers collective amnesia or lack of knowledge that we're just straight up showing work at the biennial now that is a facsimile of other people's work and also there's another, another wall with work that just fucking looked like Ed Ruscha uh, Jane Dixon who granted is born in 1952 but it's these like a series oh, of paintings yes. of like signs I'm like it looks like Ed Ruscha like it's just because you were like you know tickled by the artists whatever story like why are you showing something that looks just like something else okay so there was something that i did not like (laughs) are you going there i oh not yet no not yet but the tables with the slugs like the coins oh i didn't i didn't i invest too much time in that because i was getting really hangry at that point and there's nothing to eat at that fucking museum yeah um except overpriced fare uh Mm -hmm. okay so there's like these tables of the slugs that were collected and all i could think of was october 2020 i think we talked about this on the podcast Uh, There was a New York Times story, why this artist is paying bodegas with uh, 120,000 pennies. Oh, right. I remember that. And I was like, is this the same artist? Like, this is just like the same work, basically. Yeah. In reverse. And I was just like, who cares? Sorry, I'm being catty. Um, I was just, I wasn't drawn to it. Like, all I saw was these like three tables with slugs on them. And I... Like, at least if you could touch the slugs and look through them and it'd be fun, but it's like, you're going to get slapped. Okay. This, I'm, t- I'm telling you, this biennial is just, a, just, it's it's like, you know, how we deserve Trump as a president. This biennial, we we earned it. This yeah. frumpy biennial. The it frumpy was frumpy. Zoomers with their fucking, like, m- mom jeans, high-waisted, <laughs> and they're like, thinning green dyed hair <laughs> everything is just Ugly. not delicious yeah, yeah. um there's all this like schmata art hanging in the middle and i don't mean fiber art i just mean like oh can we you know what let's let's name this and command this that we like progress past schmata art art because <laughs> i feel like up until a year ago museums were just like all about like detritus and schmata yeah yeah But, you know, these canvases that were just hanging where I'm like, these are like third rate Oscar Murillo's. Um, Which ones? Who's the artist you're talking about? I don't even know. They were just like hanging from a rod in the middle. There's just like all this debris everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of debris. Then the horrible Um, Charles Ray works outdoors. Me and David braved the rain. It's like those. uh, (sighs) I didn't even realize it was his. Those like tree like uh one was like wooden one was like metallic one was white it's just, like there's a met show do they need to be in the whitney Biennial right now yeah and we went to the met to see the it wasn't a, it's not that it was bad it was just really sparse it was very sparse for a show that size and how much space it took up and being at like yeah. such a huge museum Oh, by the way, I promised to quiz you on the Winslow Homer <laughs> oh <my> show, <laughs> which you enjoy through the screen of your iPhone. Yeah, I was trying to buy <laughs> AirPod Pros. Um, sorry. <laughs> I mean that show was good. There's some highlights in that show. I managed to finagle yeah. us into that show. Thank by, you so uh, much for getting us in. And I, I don't my really to think I don't appreciate you getting us in. But when we were in the show, it was just not my <laughs> cup of tea no it's fine but also like that show could have been edited down because some of those works were were lesser and cartoonish and were kind of like i mean it it could have been like a 10-piece show i mean remember the cartoon sharks in one of them (laughs) yeah it's really poor like why did you exhibit that (laughs) anyway i think i uh i'm gonna give my biennial award i mean you, you also have to pick your favorite piece from the show and um and give them your award, but I think the finest piece in the show goes to uh, Buck Ellison. That's my choice. That's my selection. Um, I, I am. I'll say it once again. I'm very jaded as an artist, alongside my my enormous love of art history and art, and the things I'm drawn to. I am unable to explain my draw to, and I'm just extremely drawn to his visual language as a you photographer. I just want to bang I, the guys in the f- photos. <laughs> <laughs> I will say um like he has a sort of a visual intel- and intellectual approach that is uh usually not as heavy-handed as the approach he took for the works exhibited in the biennial, uh the photographs in the biennial are all about eric prince who's the who's the ceo of the founder of uh, blackwater the like the security you know company or whatever that was contracted by the u.s to like engage in the like iraq and afghanistan war and it's like the this eric prince guy is like betsy devos's brother or whatever and there's this whole like entanglement and it like uh, goes back to like the Whitney because Betsy DeVos's sister or whatever is like the war, and there's this whole like entanglement. And this yeah. feels like this continuation of like the Warren Candor's like appetite the Whitney has to like uh pretend like it's actually doing something about its problems and it's not a uh, money laundering vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, but in spite of all this like very heavy handed like storytelling that Buck Ellison injected into the compositions and to the, the narrative sort of um the narrative sort of aspect that goes into the compositions, his work is just gorgeous. I he has um he just like he's just like the tom tom wolf of photography there's just there's like gore vidal sensitivities sensibilities to his work tom wolf and he just has really attractive people as models (laughs) and i don't know i just I, i it's very hard for me to explain why i find his work so appealing also like kudos to him for doing something so extremely like white culture-y without any like genuflection or like you know apology tour type like concessions to the aesthetics or whatever anyways Buck you're getting my my people's my Amir's Choice award for best work in the biennial what is your choice what is your selection of best work from the biennial um Let's see. I'm looking through my phone or like, or like least offensive. Well, I loved, um, David Fearman being there with me. That was my best (laughs) in show work of art. Yeah. My favorite work of art was being there with David. That was super sweet. Uh, honestly, you know what? I think those Ellen Gallagher pieces. Yeah. Yeah. They were different than the other work I know of hers. And like you said, I really loved how they, you know kind of invoked embro- uh, like uh, sorry tapestry but they are on a solid surface um, you know they're kind of ambiguous materials there's like metal foils happening mm-hmm. they're just really beautiful and thoughtful and right yeah. uh, and really have and to so be seen I- in person right also there's that uh, three panel painting by uh, Lady Churchman am I saying the name correctly that's basically a riff on a um on monet's water lilies oh i didn't see that i mean it was impossible to miss it's it's these three like landscape Hmm. orientation canvases like uh presented uh side by side and it's just like a a take on monet's uh water lilies there's just a lot of like derivations like too close derivations and like facsimiles similes in this show yeah um but i think my main takeaway from this show is that like as the germans say nach wie vor as always it's just such a hodgepodge of it's just like <clears throat> what is your takeaway supposed to be when you leave that show i know it just it just feels so random like you could just take out or reinsert anything else and it's like Nothing would change. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like work that deals with everything and nothing. And yeah. how is it any different than just any other random arrangement of work and you're you could yeah. say the same things that this text says already. You know? And I, I know I know we're overthinking it because that's our role here on the pod, but like whenever I set foot in the Whitney, I like I have to take a deep breath because I know that I'll have to put a put in a lot of work and it's not going to be easy gratification um viewing the art in that museum yeah. and like when did that stop being a prerequisite you yeah. know for like art enjoyment or art viewing um anyway i think there were some missed opportunities with this biannual like for example other works i liked like i really love matt connor's painting yeah the or just painting in general, but I just yeah. wish they were like bigger. Cause the show at Canada that we saw two months ago, I yeah, really love really that impressive. scale. And I mean, yeah. the Whitney like physically has so much space. I think on those walls where yeah. those works were hanging, I would have loved like the huge paintings. I mean, listen, it's really clear that the Whitney just like the Whitney Biano just detests traditional painting. And it's, I'm not sure it's an afterthought, the selection or presentation of more traditional 2D canvas works, but it's always like, it's like they have to check those boxes because they have a quota of like two to three painterly like paintings that have to hang on the walls. And it always feels like a fish out of water. It doesn't really belong there. Uh, Like they would love to just have all video, (laughs) but they know no one wants to see it. Like, uh, What's his name? Not Marcus. Uh, that painter was uh, included in the biennial two runs ago. God, i forgetting his name. Anyways, every year there's just like an insertion of the randomness of painters yeah. or like a really good painter, but just the inclusion is so afterthoughty where it doesn't really like dignify. Yeah, it doesn't like media, represent the their work in the best way. Yeah. Um. And also like... Am I crazy, or do people like not like paintings? Because I think if it was a more heavy sort of focus on paintings in the exhibition, I think people would enjoy that yeah. more. Yeah. Instead of the like bad video game art on those maunders that just felt like Jesus, like who twenty thirteen and the the fucking ripped forearm with the Amazon tattoo oh, on God. it. I saw it was like made by an artist who's like what twenty seven or something. I'm like the the visual language is zoomery, but the sensibilities are very boomerish. Yeah. Um, um, it's like enough with these like on the nose works. Like if you want to just go see our two two person exhibition for a more complex intellectual experience and a formal enjoyment that will leave you wanting more. Mm-hmm. Well, so then after the um the lightness floor. We took the elevator down to the fourth floor or the third floor mm-hmm. to this education center. Yeah. Um for the <clears throat> Cassandra re, re-educ- re-education center. For the Cassandra <laughs> Press uh, Center. Um mm-hmm. Cassandra Press uh was founded by um, Jordan Nasser, uh Taylor Doran, and Candace Williams. Uh, yet miraculously, somehow that slipped through the cracks and it is not acknowledged by the Whitney or the Whitney Biennial. Um, but I just went to the Art Metropole site. I went to Wikipedia, went to other verifiable sources, including the Julia Stoschek collection, um, which acknowledges the founders of Cassandra Press. So I don't know what's happening at the Whitney, but. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I wonder if the zine that I made for them is available for purchase. It was a really fun zine I made a few years ago. We sold it at the New York Art Book Fair. Oh, well. Um, Yeah, I guess that sums it up. I also went to the winter show. A friend of mine gave me tickets. Now that's a fun show. Um... Are you familiar with the Winter Show? Is this a new initiative because I had never heard of it and I thought you made a typo trying to write Whitney Show. <laughs> no, I am not sure if it's a new initiative because there's always some type of fair like this where it's uh antiquities and uh secondary market mm-hmm. like old masters and stuff like that. Um yeah, so it's uh it's a nine-day-long art fair at the old Barneys, and it's antiquities, Whoa. et cetera, like, design, but, like, old, old items and stuff like that. But also, like, uh, you know, Bibles from, like, the 14th century and a hunter's bag from the 15th century and, like, insane, like, Art art Nouveau, um, no, sorry, Belle pock like, doors and stuff like that. So, it's, like, going to the Met uh only there's like price tags next to the items um and it was just an incredibly enjoyable experience even though the fair's like whatever it wasn't very professionally sort of installed hmm. but who cares i got to see some amazing artifacts um <coughs> and i guess it's closing tomorrow but um yeah it just reminded me of when i used to when i used to go to christie's they'd have like exhibitions before they would like auction off the lots. Oh yeah. So they would, Oh sorry. So they would open like, they would open it to the public to come see like old masters and stuff like that. And that was such a fun experience because you know, the exhibitions at the Met don't rotate, but Mm -hmm. Christie's gave you that option to like every so often see like a brand new sort of, um, collection of like old masters works that you haven't seen thus far. Um, yeah, that's about it, I think. Um What else? Oh, I mean it's the last weekend to go see uh Chamblis GLB's show. Sorry, Chambliss, if I mispronounced your name, but at uh Frosh and Co. on the Lower East Side. Um Oh those were really nice. Sh- I'm glad we went there. Yeah. Really beautiful show. Um what else? Any other recommendations we can uh give our listeners mm. please go see my work at Little Canal which it now has cocktail and dinner service um, <laughs> before it comes down because we're going to swap it out yeah Um. what else I really didn't see much in New York this time I was just so busy it was such a hectic trip it was really hectic Um. well I gave you a taste of what life here yeah. is like I mean the whole the whole um, throuple had a Shows happening. <laughs> the whole one. I said the whole thruple had shows happening. Yeah, J K. Yeah, um, and I was working every day of the week. And thank you for taking care of everything for oh, us. Basically, no. it's my pleasure. Thank you for hosting me and being the best hosts. And yeah, my pleasure. I had such a nice time with you and Jordan, and, and yeah, it was just really nice time. Well, soon you'll move here, and uh, we'll get to go and each other get on each other's nerves because that's what good friends do. That won't happen. The nerves part, Um, but I will be there. I'm, and also I'm still in the market for a soap bar on a stick. Okay, so wait, so you're saying you want that as the next gift when I come visit? Yes. Those things you, uh, mount to the bathroom, uh, wall over the sink and you have to jerk it off. <laughs> okay. I'm really into that. Is that like a European invention? No, I think they used to have them in New York, like a hundred years ago. Kind of thing. Yeah. Is that, uh, is that hygienic though? Um, probably no less than a normal soap. Right. Cause it like begets the, the like chicken and egg kind of question. <laughs> Do you have to clean the soap? Or does the soap clean you? Can bacteria stay on soap? Like, is the surface, like, does it harbor bacteria? Or is there something in soap that, like, doesn't let it grow? That's what I want to know. Same. Um, Anyway, please, someone, buy me a soap and a stick. I want to jerk off that thing (laughs) for for cleanliness (laughs) sake. Um, um i did see that the lemon soap was at your studio it smells really nice it smells really nice that little yeah. lemon um and thank you yeah. again for letting me use your studio to to make that work i had to make and yeah i'm just glad you got to uh, enjoy my uh little in- industry city Pierre de terre. i loved it there and i love that Pierre- i was so close to costco <laughs> yeah and also taking the b37 yeah which is amazing
1: it's um a fun bus
0: and every few days, I would go to that corner supermarket, and I would get um, yeah. Pepperidge Farms soft cookies. They have a serious black mold <laughs> issue there under the floors in aisle oh God. two. <laughs> God. Like you, that's why they like really pump the AC in there, so it like so you don't smell it because oh God. you know when it's cold, you don't smell as good as it is when it's when it gets warmer. You know what I lo- um, love in New York though. What? When you go to, like, a clean bathroom in a restaurant or a bar, they all smell the same. It's, like, the bleach. Like, aggressive sm- bleach. It's, yeah. like, the bleach smell, the New York water smell, and some sort of cleaning product. And I just, like, feel yeah. very, like, refreshed. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely, it's a way to, like, make it clear to you that the space has been cleaned. Yeah. Which you don't get um, that here. No. Um, also, generally, I feel like ventilation is more of a thing here in North America. In Europe, like ventilation is not not, not key; it's not a priority. Yeah. Okay, I found your soap on a stick—the wall-mounted soap at uh, Manufactum. Yes, yeah, I'm clearly. getting it for you next time. Okay, I just don't want to damage the uh, the marble I know. in my ensuite. Is there like a higher point you could hang it? Because I don't remember how high the marble goes. Excuse me, the marble in my ensuite goes all the way up to the ceiling. Really? No, I'm kidding. Oh no, but it's like, it's like seven feet uh, tall. Uh, okay. It's really big slabs. I should really hook up that uh, shower again to the water main. Well, you know what we could do? We could um, get that strongest double-sided tape, the like mounting tape. Because there's one where it's like waterproof and can like withstand like 100 kilograms. Wait, could I still vigorously stroke the soap? Yes, I think so. Okay, so I'm reading about it. Um, It says, the manufacturer claims you can wash your hands up to 1,000 times with a 300-gram bar of the soap. (laughs) Listen, it's amazing because it's uh, it's hanging off the, the wall, so it doesn't like sit in a pool of its old bacteria. Yeah. Water. It's um it's French. Oh wee wee. Um wait I'm sending it to you. It's Alrighty. called It's called rotating soap. <laughs> um Yeah. Get my soap's name out of your fucking <laughs> mouth. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Well uh, Yeah, that's that soap looks like uh, Jada Pinkett's head. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, I mean I can't just cannot wait for the next biennial to feature a, a an alpecia survivors work. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and with that <laughs> We're done wait maybe they can, maybe they can acknowledge baldness as a disability for the next biannual well, as I posted on Twitter, thank you Twitter for teaching me that my male pattern baldness is a disability yeah. <laughs> um. maybe maybe you can uh, get some like hymns sponsorship <laughs> oh. mm. righty. well, go see our show, Good Friends at Fearman Gallery. Uh just open closes May 1st go see Jordan's show at James Cohan on Walker Street Um reach out to David to get access to Fearman East to see more works by us Yeah, maybe he'll even bake um, some goop cookies yeah if you want to um, teach your children Hebrew enroll them in the middle school where I teach um, <laughs> for a handsome annual tuition um and yeah, if you play your cards right, you'll get to uh, go on a date with Pshemek when oh, he moves here. Thank you. Later on this year, I'm single and ready to mingle. Mm-hmm. On that note, um, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye, Amir. Cheers. Cheers.